Oh, spotty bells, spotty bells, swinging through midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys down. Spotty bells, spotty bells, quipping all the time. Oh, what fun to swing around New York while fighting crime. Whipping through the streets of New York every night Wrapping bad guys up in my web so tight Crawling up the walls, making villains fight What fun to make the holidays free from crime tonight Oh, spider bells, goblin smells, vulture laid an egg Spider buggy blew a tire and venom got away Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Tribe of Nerds. We are almost through our Spider-Man coverage. We've got a few more weeks of that. Um, we are on to Into the Spider-Verse. So this should be very, very exciting to talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Um, a film that I think uh, by most people is widely considered to be the best Spider-Man film ever made. And one of the best just comic book movies in general. So... Um, JJ, what were your impressions, um, on this rewatch or on your first watch? Uh, every time I've watched this movie, I've loved it. Um, I know that it got a little bit of mixed reviews when it first came out, and that's because, uh, it's a completely different style than Mm -hmm. any of our other superhero movies have been in. But this, what they've done by making it into a comic book movie it's not a superhero movie. It's a comic book movie, which is really, really cool. Um, and I that could never be done in live action the same way. Right. Uh, the, an- the animation lends itself so well to all the things that they brought in from comic books that they just can't do otherwise. Agreed. Um, my first watch, I saw it when it first came out in theaters, I think the night of, I, um, for two years, I think it was after my winter semesters, um, I would have some of my uh, friends from uh, my ATO fraternity over, um, and uh, they would we would go and see a movie both of these years. The first year, then we saw Murder on the Orient Express, and then this that year of 2018, we went and saw Into the Spider Verse, and I loved it. And every time I watch it, I get even more respect for this movie and what it did um, because no other movie is like it. And I really don't think any other movie is going to repeat the magic that it created or the success that it had. So, yeah. Um, Let's get into the cast. Um, Shameik Moore is playing Miles Morales, who uh, the the story revolves around um, as this universe's Spider-Man after um, Chris Pine's Spider-Man dies. Um, more on that later. But uh, I, I really like Miles in this movie. I love that. I love the story revolving around him and just it being something new. And like with this movie, it really launched Miles Morales into more popularity, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Um Miles Morales had already been hinted at mm-hmm. uh, because we had already had Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. And so people were getting excited about it. Plus, um, uh, a lot of things with representation uh, in mainstream media mm-hmm. uh, really wanted, really brought a lot of people wanting Miles Morales in uh, a, like a main picture Mm-hmm. movie and so to have him be the focus of this was a really um good choice on sony's part i think 
but as far as Shamik Moore goes, I was surprised to see that it was an adult actor voice acting uh, Miles after yeah. I watched the movie um, because the voice that he gives us feels so authentically uh, child, yeah. which is great. Um, he does a wonderful job as Miles. And uh, another thing I think is funny is that when you watch him doing the voice acting, he's almost expressionless a lot of times <laughs> when um, you, you just wouldn't expect him to be, which is kind of unusual for voice acting. But he does a wonderful job. Yeah, I I, I really liked him. And I, I know that we're going to talk about the Insomniac Spider-Man later, but I mean, um, you haven't played the Miles Morales game, but even just there, seeing... Miles has such a cool power set of like camouflage and then the venom strike like that's such those are such cool abilities that differentiate differentiate him from peter parker and so i i really enjoy miles yeah it's definitely cool to have a different move set with this spider-man figure um because we're not just getting another repeat of the same story Mm -hmm. um and then we've got uh, Jake Johnson voicing Peter B. Parker. Um, and, you know, I, I like that it's this unique take on Peter Parker of being a 40-year-old washed-up um, superhero um, that's gone through things like a divorce and just being so depressed that he gains weight. And it's, it's an interesting take on the character, and I think they pulled it off well. Man, I love Jake Johnson. Yeah. Um, I think he was a perfect choice for this role. And, in fact, uh, the directors of this movie said that this he was their first and only choice to play Peter B. Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, just, he's great for this. Yeah, I mean, just some of these great lines that he has in this movie. Um, and just, I, and just him playing the mentor role, but, like... And, like, the things he teaches Miles, Miles then takes and uses them at the end of the movie, which is great. Um, Which is kind of what you want to see when you have someone getting mentored, is you want them to take the lessons they've learned and use them, so. Right. It's also nice to see what he learns from Miles. Right, Um, right. And that's a lot more subtle, because Miles is the focal point of this movie, (laughs) but... uh, like him exploring his relationship, do I really want kids? Um, and saying that line, and what he learns from his work with Miles and takes back to Mary Jane, presumably, um, in his own new world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a nice subplot to have. I just I I love the the part where Miles is about to tell him with great power comes great responsibility, and he's respo- responsibility. And he's just like, uh, don't you dare finish that sentence. And it's just, (laughs) lines like that are great. Or him calling the flash drive a goober. And, uh, man, it's just perfect. Um, We'll get more into Peter B. Parker when we rank him. But uh, then we have Spider-Gwen, played by Haley Steinfeld. And, um, I mean, Haley Steinfeld is going to be the MCU's Kate Bishop. So that's just cool to see her get... I guess her start here in the Marvel universe of just playing a Marvel character. Um, and I think I, I like Spider-Gwen a lot in this. Um, also, I think her popularity launches a lot as a character, too, from this movie. So, uh, I think Spider-Gwen was my favorite Spider-Person in this movie. 
Um, I, she's just a total badass. Oh yeah. Um, I and I love the aesthetic of her being this punk rock teenager. You know, she's in a band. She's mm-hmm. got piercings. She does the half buzz haircut. Um, I know that's Miles's fault. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's a nice aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, just all of the voice acting in this movie is spot on. I have no complaints about any casting choices. Agreed. Um, with uh, do we have anything else to say on Spider Gwen? I mean, I feel like I mean the moment she actually shows up as Spider Gwen and like saves the two boys and then just beats up uh, uh, Liv Octavius uh, in the forest. Like that was just such a cool moment. Um, I do also really like hers and Miles's relationship. Yes. Um, I, I honestly thought they were going to turn it into a romantic relationship, but it was kind of nice for it to end in simply friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Miles to break her out of her shell in the same way that he does with um, Peter B. Parker. Uh, just he, He's just got this optimistic, friendly, uh, outgoing aura that just brings these other, brings out the best in these other spider people. Agreed. Um, with that, let's move into one of our favorite casting choices, not that there's any bad ones, like you said, but Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man of War and... Just anytime you put Nicolas Cage in a role, maybe it's not the right fit for Nicolas Cage, but it's always entertaining. So, um, I just, I just love Nick Cage having lines like, uh, I just, I take matches and I let them burn down to my fingertips just to feel anything. (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I, I... I don't often watch all the bonus features on, uh, discs when I buy DVDs or Blu-rays, but I did for this movie, mm-hmm. and um, talking to Nick Cage, uh, the directors, one of the things they did was just say, go full Nick Cage, <laughs> and that was wonderful. It fits this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good, and just from the moment, like, and also when he just says, uh, you know, I'm I'm beating up Nazis, and it's just like, it's so good. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, Again, I don't have anything bad to say about these characters, but just, I mean, just the fact that you have Nick Cage voicing a character in this movie just feels so fun. Um, And we'll get more into that in the rankings. Um, Then we've got another great character, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham, and just the fact that they made a Looney Tunes-type character work in this, and, like, it's just so fun and cool and i mean you just have that great line him stealing porky pig's line uh that's all folks is he legally allowed to say that it's just it's so perfect so uh, yeah i think peter porker's character is really a testament to the blending of art styles that is present in this movie Another instance we get is when Peter B. Parker is watching the seahorses on television. Mm-hmm. That's uh, live action that he's watching, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it, it it works really well. And John Mulaney is just fantastic at this role. His comedy is wonderful and so fitting for the style. Yeah. Um, and so, tidbit about John Mulaney in this role. I'm, I've heard stories of, like... Uh, the producers just basically... So John Mulaney would come in and he in some of his takes he'd just start like swearing a bunch 
And then, uh, and then at the end of his, of when he was done, uh, doing the lines, but with swearing, uh, they're like, uh, he's like, wait, I can't say that. <laughs> and they just, they had just let him go off just for fun. And it's great. Um, obviously none of the swearing is going to make the movie, but, um, right, of course, <laughs> but, uh, another bit about Peter Porker on the, I don't know if it's on the DVD and the Blu-ray, but at least on the Blu-ray and bonus features, there's a whole segment that's just Peter Porker in that Looney Tunes style with his own little bit. Oh my goodness. He fights, um, I don't think the villain gets an official name, but he's, uh, it's a crawfish scientist, evil scientist. God. Uh, do animals talk in your universe? Cause I don't want to freak him out. <laughs> God, it's so good. Um, then we've got Penny Parker, um, and just, like, the Japanese anime style, um, and then the Spider-Bot was pretty cool, um, with, uh, unfortunately Spider-Bot gets destroyed by Scorpion, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, she was cool, um, I, and it's not to say that she's bad, she, I mean, I just like some of the, all the other Spider-Man versions better, but I don't think she's bad. No, she's not bad. Just a a very different style from the rest of them. I think a little harder to connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the aesthetic and the character design overall. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, and then uh, let's talk about some of these, my well, you know, these significant characters, but they're not in the focus as much as all these Spider-Men. Um, and then the villains, of course. Uh, Jeff Davis, Miles' father. I mean, I think has a huge role in helping shape Miles in this movie, um, especially with that talk after Uncle Aaron gets killed and he comes to his room with My- when Miles is uh, webbed to the chair and he has that, you know, he has that conversation with him where he's basically telling him how much he means to him and, you know, um, I just think it's so well done and then you have at the end when Miles saves the day and his dad is there to witness it and then... Uh, Miles is basically, like, hugs him in front of the entire, (laughs) uh, uh, surrounding area, or the entire public, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I also love exploring the relationship between him and Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just those three characters together present a well of relationship-building plotline that can be explored, um, the family dynamic is great. Yeah, and, like, so basically Jeff Davis, like, obviously is a cop, and then you have Aaron Davis, who's, like, the criminal, and uh, Jeff doesn't really approve of his brother's, you know, ways of way of living. Um, but, you know, and he... Does, um... Does Jeff know that... that Aaron, well, yeah, Jeff knows that Aaron is the prowler, obviously, because he doesn't approve of his life choices, but... Well, well, I don't think he knew before Aaron died, mm-hmm. but of course at that point he would have had to have known because he discovered him in the Prowler suit. Right. Um, but uh, on your point, you know, you've got Aaron and Jeff on these opposite sides of the spectrum, Raw and uh, Villain, and then you've got Miles in the middle as a vigilante. Right. And he's torn between the two with his relationships because it's hard for him to balance these two things with the relationship that the two brothers have. Right. Um, and I know we'll talk about this with the Insomniac game, but uh, 
Jeff Davis in that game, uh, spoiler alert for those who haven't played the game, he dies uh, in a bombing, and uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it, but that that made me sad that they killed Jeff Davis off in that game. Um, I wish they... I understand why, um, and I will say that uh, Uncle Aaron is in the in the Miles Morales game, so they at least, I guess, do more with Aaron Davis in that than they did here, I guess, um, while still having both of them have a big significance with Miles. But we'll talk about that when we get to the Insomniac games. I just kind of wanted to bring that up because it's cool to draw parallels between those now. Um... And then, uh, yeah, let's just talk briefly about Aaron Davis as the Prowler, and just, like, I actually, in the theater, because I, I hadn't read comics, really, so I, uh, so when I went into it, and then, you know, you have Prowler come into Aaron's, uh, into his own, uh, apartment, and Miles doesn't know that his uncle is the Prowler, and then you just have him answer the Kingpin's phone call, and then just take off his mask, and you're like, wait, Uncle Aaron's the Prowler? And it's, I had no idea, so I was pretty shocked, but it was pretty, it was very well done. And then obviously him being the one to die to, you know, the, the Uncle Ben of this, you know, story. Yeah. Spider-Man Noir said it best. This is a hardcore origin story. <laughs> um, it really is a touching and emotional way to develop Miles into uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just love the relationship that Aaron and Miles have. One of my favorite moments is when Aaron's saying, are, man, are you sure we're related? And then Mary <laughs> says, yeah, I knew we was related. And that's great. <laughs> also, Mahershala Ali is an amazing actor. I forgot he to mention it was... fantastic at this role. I forgot to mention it was Mahershala Ali who was going to be the MCU's Blade. Um, so another... Another, and he was previously in Luke Cage, so I mean... Yep, he was Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. So, yeah, Mahershala Ali is, has been three, or is going to be three Marvel roles now, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I like Mahershala Ali as an actor, and yeah, I forgot to mention that he was playing Aaron, but um, yeah, no, he's it was really well done, so... Um, and then let's just briefly touch on Aunt May in this. I mean, we really, the Aunt May is in Miles' universe, and um, just the scene of Aunt May kicking down the door th- to the spider hideout, it's like, when did Aunt May become such a badass? Like, it's, it's, it's cool, and just the fact, like, when Miles comes down, she's basically like, oh, I knew you'd come back, so... And then she gives him the web shooters, and um, so... Aunt May was portrayed really, really well here in this different light than we've seen her in uh, the MCU or in the previous two live-action iterations. Yeah, I think this is the Aunt May that we'll have in the MCU in, like, five, ten years. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I think it's worth drawing a parallel between Aunt May and Frigga. Ah. And the way that they see these versions of Thor and Peter, respectively. Yes, yes. I th- th- that was a very touching moment. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to Endgame, but um, in our MCU rewatch. But yeah, I can agree with that. Um, um, then just talk briefly about the villains, and we can talk about who else appears. But we've got Liev Schreiber as Kingpin. 
uh, Kingpin, who in the animation style is about thick with five C's. Um, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, the dude—they literally had opened two doorways for that dude to walk through, just the door to get somewhere. I mean, it's—I mean, I understand like it's not a bad thing because it's that's who Kingpin is. Kingpin's a big boy, um, but yeah, no, I just. Knowing that it was Lee Schreiber who did who did the voice of Kingpin is really really cool. And again, another Marvel former Marvel uh, alum. He was Sabretooth in X Men Origins Wolverine. So um, another cool correlation for another actor. So yeah, that's what Kingpin is supposed to be, though. Too right. It's hard to represent that in live action. Right. Um, what I love about Kingpin is that he's really not super powered. He's just a big dude yeah. with lots of strength, lots of power, and who's a great schemer behind the scenes. Agreed. I do think that that was portrayed well here, and they definitely gave him motivation, of course, and, like, it, you understand why he's doing this plan with the Collider, that he wants to bring his family, or his, his son and his wife, back um, from something that he pretty much caused. So Yeah, and I think that was done pretty well, too, because we weren't given this big, long explanation. We didn't get any villain monologues. Right. Uh, but we still got his motivation, and we got enough to empathize with him. Right. I also liked him being the kingpin and just being in charge of all these other villains, because that's who he is and what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. That was It was done pretty well. Um all right, so, and then we've got Liv Octavius. Um, just that, another twist reveal of that, um, you know, you saw this lady in Miles' class when they're watching the video, and then you get to um, Oz, is, is it Oscorp, or am I just, the, the building? I actually they, don't know the answer to that. Okay, well, the science, the science, the science hideout, Kingpin's headquarters that they go to, and, um, and then she comes in, and Peter B. Parker is trying to uh, get her to get give the password to the uh, hard drive to the computer. And uh, and then he's like, "Wait, what was what was your name again?" Uh, and then she's like, uh, "Olivia Octavius." And when you see her Octavius, you're like, "Crap, she's Doc Ock in here." And then you just have that reveal with the arms, and just like it was very very well done as well. Um, just to go back to what company is, it's Alchemax. Um, okay, it is Alchemax. Okay. Yeah, not Oscorp, but uh, I love this version of Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the design, too. The mm-hmm. arms aren't metal. I'm not sure what they're made of, but they look really good. Yeah, they're... I don't know the material either, but um, obviously they're, they're some... They look like some kind of piping or some... Like, tubing or something. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, not like extremely breakable, so right. And the combat is fantastic. Yeah, between, uh, Octavius and everyone. Right, and then she gets hit by a bus, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. But I, I mean, it's kind of just like they're making fun of the fact when some villains get like beaten with like no, like, or uh, anticlimactically where sometimes that happens with villains i think they're definitely making fun of that so um which should be the case though too yeah oh i agree everything wouldn't be climactic right and like so i like that they're making fun of it um 
And then let's just mention the other villains. I mean, we've got Green Goblin, which is crazy to see this giant winged monster as opposed to what we got with Willem Dafoe or any of the other goblins um, so far. And just seeing that, I was like, wow, they really... <laughs> That's crazy how uh, Norman Osborn looks in this universe. Right. Um, and then you've got Tombstone as the... Uh, as Kingpin's, like, right-hand man helping him, um, which I didn't even know that was Tombstone until I looked it up, so, um, just because when you see, when we talk about the Insomniac game, they have vastly different designs, um, and then, uh, we've got Scorpion as well, um, also a different design from the Insomniac game, but, uh, this is, this one's cool too, and then, um... Didn't we have another couple villains that were um, shown as well? Or is uh, that it? N- none that I knew, know of. I, I mean, we kind of talked about Prowler already when we talked about Aaron. So That's true. Okay, yeah. So, I, I, with how much as it, there is in this movie that they may, made work, I was just kind of thinking if we missed anybody. Okay. So, um, should we move into Easter eggs now, or is there anything else you wanted to mention before we went into those? Nope, I got nothing, but there are a ton of Easter eggs in this, too. Yeah, we're not going to cover all of them, but we'll cover as much as we can in the time frame that we have. Um, we've got Tobey Maguire callbacks, especially at the beginning, um, with the train, and, of course, the dance from Spider-Man 3, and the upside-down kiss, and, yeah, so it's... It's fun to see all that and have them just make fun of Spider-Man 3, so <laughs> it's good. Also, um, uh, in that same sequence, we get the Spider-Man popsicle. Oh, right. And uh, we get the original Spider-Man theme as well. That yes. they referenced in every single Spider-Man movie. <laughs> and Spidey Bells, which will... I should probably play in the podcast because it's just hilarious. <laughs> Chris Pine, we'll talk more about Chris Pine, but he literally signed an entire album for this movie, and it's fantastic. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then uh, how this just looks like a comic in general is just really, really cool um, throughout. I think we, we mentioned that, but I kind of just wanted to talk about it a little bit more, just like this doesn't shy away from being a complete, looking like a complete comic book and acting like a complete comic book. Like, that's what I like about it, and that's what makes it so unique. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. That is one of the biggest draws that this movie has. Mm-hmm. And then the Comics Code Authority stamp. I, um, It was something where back then when Spider-Man was first made, basically they uh, had, in the 60s, they had this thing where the government was, like, trying to ban comic books because they thought they were harmful to children. Um, so they put this stamp on to approve it. Um, there's more on that that you can probably look up, but uh, that's the gist of it. They do uh, uh, allude to that in the movie. Um, and then you have real Spidey comics that Miles has that uh, he picks up, like, when he's trying to get himself to stop sticking in the beginning when he gets back into his room. Uh, there's a comic that shows exactly what he was doing, but with Peter Parker. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, and you've got, um, Uncle Aaron watching, uh, Donald Glover. And the story behind that is Donald Glover not only played Aaron Davis in Homecoming in the MCU, 
in the show Community, Donald Glover also was wearing Spider-Man pajamas, and he famously, I think, auditioned for the role of Miles Morales. Like, he really wanted to play Miles. Um, so that's something there. And then the number 42 that appears, uh, I believe... Um, it is a reference to Jackie Robinson's, who is the first black baseball player, and Miles is the first black Spider-Man. Um, so, just some cool references there. And then I think um, JJ, if you had any, and then I, we can go into the Stanley cameo and post credits. Yeah, I mean, again, there were a ton of references throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being when the Collider was first shown, and they showed the computer screen with other um, universe numbers. One of them was Earth-616, which many of us know to be the MCU's universe designation, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I believe that's where Peter B. Parker came from, which means that uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man will become <laughs> Peter B. Parker at some point. Uh, another thing I noticed on this watch through that I'd never noticed before was in the background in... Uh, maybe Times Square or wherever it was that they were with all the advertisements in the background. One of them was for a movie with Nick Cole and John Mulaney, which is pretty cool, seeing as how John Mulaney voiced Peter Porker. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the spider suits. Uh, Lots that we could get into there, but I'm only going to point out one thing, which is the Insomniac Games' new design for their video game, uh, the white spider on the front of the suit. This had not been seen prior to this movie and that game. So I think it's really cool that they included that. Yeah, and we'll get into that suit in a couple weeks when we talk about the Insomniac game. Um, So that'll be fun. Um, And then uh, let's get into the uh, post-credit and Stanley cameo. Stanley cameo, uh, Miles goes into the shop to get a Spider-Man outfit after after Chris Pine's Peter Parker dies. And, uh, basically asks Stan, like, uh, what if it, what if it doesn't fit and you have Stan, or Stan says, oh, I'm gonna miss him, and then Miles is like, well, wait, what if it doesn't fit, and Stan's like, that's the thing, it always fits, and it, it's, it's just a, one of the greatest Stan Lee cameos, and I'm, this was right after his death as well in 2018, um, so this scene meant a lot. I know when I watched it in the theater and I saw this, this was a very touching tribute to Stan. And I believe they do a thank you, Stan, and Steve Ditko in the credits, I believe, too. Um, and then the post-credit. Um, so you have Spider-Man 2099, who is voiced by Oscar Isaac, who is supposedly going to be the MCU's Moon Knight, and he was also Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse. Um, which, again, another, uh, Marvel character, Marvel actor, um, and so it's him, uh, they're kind of teasing that Spider-Man 2099 is going to maybe show up if they're going to do a sequel, which has been confirmed that they are, um, and then he goes and ends up in the 60s universe where you have the meme of the Spider-Man pointing at each other, um, (laughs) which is genius the fact that they put that in this movie is great um it's 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 a fun little post credit scene and it's pretty amazing so um that and then like we said chris pine is the blonde peter parker that dies oh also that the scene at the beginning when he that peter parker is talking about um 
like everything and it shows the uncle ben saying great power comes great responsibility that uh scene that voice uh was from the toby Maguire spider-man i believe the original oh, uncle ben so i think cliff robertson yeah they took his voice line from the first spider-man and put it in this movie in that little bit so um, yeah so i believe that is what we have um for all of that, and I, I guess I did want to reference uh, the cool like comic intros when a new character gets introduced. They do like the comic, oh yeah, one last time or whatever, and then they go through their backstory or their origin story like really quickly, and then you get like Spider-Man War and, <laughs> and Spider Hams, and it's just so funny. Um, um, and then so yeah, let's get to the villain rankings then. Um, so right now. Number one, we have Doc Ock, um, Alfred Olina's Doc Ock at 5.3, um, followed by Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin at a 5.05, Sandman in third at a 4.25, uh, James Franco's New Goblin uh, from Spider-Man 3 to 3.6, Venom from Spider-Man 3 to 3.38, followed by Jamie Foxx's Electro at a 3.1, uh, then The Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man at a 2.9, and Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin in last with a 2.3. Um, so we have three villains that we've already touched on. So we have Kingpin. I think we've touched on the fact that his motivations were pretty good. Um, and just for this movie, um, I mean, they they did some great things with the character, like how they uh, used him in this movie. Um, I do think Vincent D'Onofrio is probably the best kingpin that's happened, um, from the Daredevil series. Um, uh, but, you know, I thought this was pretty good. I'm gonna give him a 5.4, um, just for the mere fact I put him lower, just because I think D'Onofrio's kingpin goes even more in depth with that character. Um, and so I think 5.4 is pretty good for, uh, Spider-Man villains, so. Um, the only reason that I'm going to rank Kingpin like not super duper high mm -hmm. is because the nature of this movie causes us to not get as much time spent in our villains as we normally would. That's true. I, I would have loved to see more of the side of Kingpin where he's involved in the city, he has influence, uh, he's got corrupt officials, corrupt cops, everything. We saw a little bit of that with him uh, being in charge of Algamax and throwing that dinner party. But um, mm -hmm. overall, I still love Kingpin. I love his motivations, his design, his voice acting. So I'm going to give him a 5.3. Okay. Um, all right. So that will give us uh, 5.3 plus 5.4 divided by 2. 5.35. Um, he is the highest at the moment. Um so he beats Alfred Molina out. Um, and then we have the Prowler, Aaron Davis. Um, like we've talked about, I think that reveal was so well done and how it shapes Miles. I mean, as, as a villain, I guess if we were saying that, you know, the redemption arc for James Franco's Harry Osborn was really good, but him as a villain wasn't great. I still think that Prowler is really, really good villain-wise um, and really cool. Um you know, as a character, he means more to the story of Miles than being an actual villain. I'll still give him a five, though. 
because I still think he's really, really good, and like this, how he fits into the story of this movie is really great. So I think a five is really good for uh, Prowler. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Jake. I I love the way that he finally discovers that Miles is Spider Man. Yes, and then he takes a stand against Kingpin, and j- just to see that he is so committed to his own sense mm-hmm. of morality or and values really makes this a good complex character i think a five is fair okay so that would give him a five (laughs) um and then uh so where would that put him that puts him below willem defoe so that puts him in fourth i believe um that seems pretty fair yeah and then we've got uh live octavius the doc ock of this universe i gave her a 4.5 i think she was good but it's just like we didn't get enough with her besides that reveal and her uh, fighting with the heroes. So, I mean, I think a 4.5 is good, just not... She doesn't have, like, the, I guess, backstory or anything to really put her higher, so... Yeah, just like Kingpin, I she's not well enough developed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a character that really could take the movie all on her own and be the one driving everything. So I think a 4.8, I want to rate her a little bit higher than you did, just because mm-hmm. I love the combat with her. Oh, yeah. 4.65. Um, I believe she is above Sandman now, so I believe she's in fifth. Um, and so now let's get into the movies, and then we'll get into the Spider-Man. With movies, we've got Spider-Man 2 at a 4.65. Followed by Spider-Man with a 4.25, then Amazing Spider-Man at a 3.5, Spider-Man 3 dancing into fourth place with a 3, and Amazing Spider-Man 2 with a 2.63. Into the Spider-Verse, no beating around in the bush, I'm giving this a 6. I think it's, like, honestly a perfect movie. It's probably one of the few perfect comic book movies, or, you know, probably one of the few perfect movies in general. I can't really think of anything against it. Just... They stuck to the style that, you know, fit the movie, and, you know, this is something original, creative, new, that hadn't necessarily been explored before in anything, and, um, so, I think this deserves at least close to a perfect score, um, depending on what you do with it, but, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really think of anything other than a couple of really minor plot things that I didn't like about this movie. Um, so it really does deserve a high rating. I'm going to give it a 5.85. Mm-hmm. Alright. Um, I believe um, 5.85 plus 6 divided by 2. That gives it a 5.93. Um, I mean, everything about this movie was good. The art, the music, the voice acting. Oh, the, yeah. Just the overall style and aesthetic. Oh, yeah. just And, like, the scene, also, I want to mention the scene, well, I guess we can mention it in our Spider-Man rankings, but the scene with Miles taking the leap of faith and jumping off the building, and you get, like, the glass breaking off the building as he jumps. Like, that's such a good... And you get What Up Danger as the music, and it's just so good. Um, Amazing soundtrack. This is one of my favorite movie soundtracks. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um... Let's get to our Spider-Man rankings a lot to talk about here. Um, 
Andrew Garfield is at a 4.35, and the Toby fans are going to be upset with Toby at a 4, but it's accurate, so... <laughs> um, so let's start with Miles Morales. I'm giving Miles a 6 as well. I think his character arc is very well developed. Um, it's a very natural progression of the character. It feels very, yeah, like I said, very natural. Um, and just the fact that he takes what he's learned at the end and uses it, you know, against Kingpin or uses it to get Peter B. Parker back home. Um, it's all very, very well done in this movie. So... Yeah, I, I'm giving Miles a six, so. Man, this is so tough with this many spider people yeah. in this movie. Well, I don't even know if spider people's the right term because <laughs> we've got Peter Porker as Spider-Ham. True. Um, but Miles, I love the story. Um, a unique spin on his uncle with Aaron being the Prowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think a six is quite right. I, he's still taking the mantle of Spider-Man. I think that he fell into his powers a little too quickly. I believe that the leap of faith would really bring him from like four to seven or something like that on a scale of ten. Mm. But for him to be doing all the things that he does in that final fight, just not that believable for me. Mm. So I'm going to give him a... 5.1. Ooh. Jeez. Um, I mean, like, I love Tom Holland, like, but I think, I don't know, it's it's really between Miles and Tom Holland for me, and we're gonna get to Tom later, but, um, and this isn't, like, a thing of relatability, I just think, like, it's very naturally well done. Um, so, that would be a 5.55 for Miles. Um... All right, and then uh, Peter B. Parker, I have it at 5.45. Um, I think it's just a really well-done uh, take on what they were going for with a 40-year-old depressed fat Spider-Man um, and um, the fact that it might secretly be Tom Holland when he grows up. Um, so I... Yeah, I, I mean, I think the mentor role is done well, um, but if the story were more centering around him, then maybe he would go higher. But I like I said, I don't think Peter B. Parker should go higher than Miles. So, uh, I actually have three of the spider people above Miles. Oh, Miles wasn't my favorite part of this movie. I did dislike him because yeah. it wasn't my favorite part. I had other things I liked even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter B. Parker was one of them. I love this version of Spider-Man. I think it's so humanizing to mm-hmm. put a superhero through these real-life events and then to see the emotional effect on him. He's taken down by himself. Mm-hmm. Really. Uh, so I'm going to give him a 5.6. I think that that's pretty fair. Even though he wasn't the focus of the story, he still got lots of character development, and I love the way that he developed through Miles and the way he developed Miles. Mm. Well, he is 0.02 lower than Miles with a 5.53. And listen, I like all these characters, so this is not like me ranking them a little low. Like, if they're still in the fives, I think that's excellent. Um, So, and then Spider-Gwen, I have at a 5.4. I also think Gwen is very well done. She's badass, as we said. Um, Just that entrance scene alone, and just 
yeah, like you said, the aesthetic of the punk rock um, was done very, very well. Um, yeah, so 5.4 for me again. If she was the focus, if we get a Spider Gwen focused story, I think, and uh, it's well done, which I would imagine with these writers it would be, then I would probably rank her higher. Uh, the thing I love most about Spider Gwen is the way that she assumes kind of this leadership role in the group of spider people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though she's relatively inexperienced compared to some of these other Spider-Man versions, she's only been Spider-Woman for two years, I think she said. Um, But still, she takes charge over both Miles and Peter B. Parker, because Peter B. Parker is just not up to the task in his current state. state. Um, But that, on top of everything I said earlier... She really is my favorite thing about this movie. I gave her a 5.75. All right. Um, all right. Uh, 5.75. Um, that will give her a 5.58. She is officially the highest right now. Um then we have Nicolas Cage's Spider-Man to War. Um, I honestly gave I enjoyed Nicolas Cage in this movie so much. Um, just these lines that are delivered and you have the Rubik's cube and just, um, like the scene, um, just with him training miles and just, or like the scene where he's like knocking miles down and then they're in the group and he's just like, Oh, he's just sitting there looking at us while we talk about him. And it's just like 5.6 for me for Spider-Man war. I just love Nicolas Cage. So um, it's hard to rate someone who has such a small presence in the movie. Yeah. But I love the aesthetic. Uh, this is such a unique concept to bring into the movie, and it's done so well. I love the way he interacts with the other characters and the spider people. Um, I'm going to give him a five. I don't think that he deserves quite as high as you rated him, <laughs> but I understand why you like him. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably should should have gone more into like how I did for the, uh, these other ones, because I understand that they should probably be ranked higher, but it's just so enjoyable. Uh, 5.3 for Spider-Man of war. Um, so he isn't higher than the other three in our overall rankings, which is good. Um, and then we've got spider ham. I gave him a 5.5. He's also just so entertaining. Um, when he is on screen, um, again, not the focus of the story. Um, I'd be interested to see more Peter Porker, though, if they actually do, like, a series or a movie on Spider-Ham. I probably would have to be a series rather than a movie. But, uh, yeah, uh, 5.5 for Spider-Ham for me. With Spider-Ham being such a big comedic contrast to the rest of the characters and in a way that is in a completely different style from what the rest of this movie is in, the writers did a beautiful job of incorporating them into this group of spider people in a way that they weren't at odds with one another. And I love that, and I love John Mulaney. So I'm going to give him a 5.3. Okay. Um, 5.3. I'm assuming this is a 5.4, yep. Uh, 5.4, um, so Spider-Ham is in fourth place. Penny Parker, I give a 4.8. She's my least favorite 
but that's not to say she's bad. I just, I don't connect with her as well as the other characters. So she's cool. Spider-Bot's cool. Um, they just didn't do as much as with her because it's not her movie. So. Yeah, I, the, I think the concept for Penny Parker is really cool, but it wasn't presented in a way that was super, it, it wasn't easy to connect with the concept. So she didn't come off as well as Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Ham did. So I give her 4.75. I still like her. I just need more development. Right. All right. So that uh, will give a 4.78. All right. And then our dead Peter Parker, Chris Pine. Um, This man gave us Spidey Bells. Um, and his sacrifice, again, another death that really affects Miles and sends him on this journey, um, and it was shocking to just be like, oh, wait, Peter Parker just got killed um, in the beginning. So I'll give uh, Chris Pine a five just because he moved the story along with his death, and yeah, Spidey Bells. <laughs> uh, I love Chris Pine's Peter Parker, because we get to see Spider-Man in a way that we don't see him in any of the other Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. He is in his prime. He is just on top of everything. Mm-hmm. He's able to handle villains left and right. No question about it. And then to show the cracks in Spider-Man, how he is tired, mm-hmm. how he is starting to lose it, even though he's putting on the strong front, and then he dies. It's a wonderful character arc, even though we only get... I don't know, like, 20 minutes of them. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to give them 5.25. I, I can't read them higher just because we don't get enough of them. Right. All uh, right. So, all right. Uh, 5.13. So, um, yeah. So, Spider-Gwen is currently the highest right now. Uh, shock, she defeats Miles <laughs> and Peter B. Parker in a close race. Um, so that is it for Into the Spider-Verse, um, and, uh, coming up this week, we've also got to tease, uh, we've got Star Wars A New Hope coming up on Wednesday, and then Saturday, Josh, Gabe, and I will be back again to preview WandaVision, and we'll make predictions and talk about, yeah, what might happen, um, very excited for WandaVision to come out in a couple weeks, so, um, but otherwise, see you guys next time on Tribe of Nerds. Why did I agree to do this stupid song? I have a degree in chemical engineering. I thought it would be fun to show this side of me. But now I fear it lacks artistic integrity. Oh. Spidey Bells, Spidey Bells Is this who I've become? Selling out my good name for an impulse buy album Oh, Spidey Bells Spidey Bells I'm filled with deep regret I'm canceling this song's release For the press I get Oh, Spidey Bells, Spidey Bells swinging through Midtown. Oh, what fun to sling a web and take the bad guys. 
Down.